Welcome to the Minimum Baseline Podcast, the pod where normal people become incrementally less shit. Sometimes. Sometimes. I'm Stacey Fisher. And I'm Taryn Hedo. And together we're sisters and a pair of normies test driving new ways to reach our goals while struggling all the things that normal people juggle. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands in which we are recording this podcast, that is the lands of the Gadigal and Wurundjeri people. Pay our respects to Elders past, present, future and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Tarrant, this is the podcast where we get our shit together. Is it? Yep. <laughs> I was thinking that for a data nerd and a methodology queen, we have been really shit at actually measuring our minimum baseline. So this is the week where I'm going to take a more rigorous approach and put some actual numbers behind my current baseline. Great. I've, I've tried to do the same. Okay, excellent. But uh, we'll just see. I wasn't sure whether you. I wasn't sure whether you checked the run sheet. So (laughs) I I had. I had. I did. I spent. I spent a long time on the run sheet this morning. Brilliant, um, brilliant. (laughs) Doing my best to live up to the things that you'd said, but we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Shall we start with weekly batshittery? As always. (laughs) So, you know Barcelona Football Club right? Like very, very famous. Yeah. Yeah. Formerly the home of Messi, Mm -hmm. you know, La Masia. My son's favourite player, know all about Messi. Yes, yes. Know all about Messi, you know all about Barcelona. You know that their famous rivals are Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's very, it's a very famous game, El Clasico. It's very tied up in Spanish politics, Franco, all of the Catalan independence, all of these sorts of things is very tied up in this in this football game. Uh, sort of Real Madrid is the establishment club, Barcelona is the rebel club, but they're, they're huge and they've been huge for decades and decades. For a long time, they refused shirt sponsorships because they were different. Mezque okay. un club, more than a club. Okay, <laughs> this is the big thing that Barcelona espoused to the world, but... Recently, they've come into some financial difficulties, some really significant financial difficulties, like to the point where they're, they're really teetering on the edge of existing. It's it's really bad. So this great grand old club with all of these historic ties in the El Clasico, the derby with Real Madrid, the biggest game in football. What are they wearing on their shirt? It's the logo from Drake's new album. It's a fucking <laughs> owl. And I just, it's so distressing. <laughs> that's, their, that's their first sponsorship choice. It, it's not their first. Ever. It's not their first. No, okay. no, no. Like they've had shirt sponsors um, for, for a while now, but it's just like how far the mighty have fallen. You know, Aww. it's just... They lost Messi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, they had to sell Messi. They had to. They had to let him go to PSG yeah. because they didn't have the money. And it, it's it's not just that. It's just everything about it. I don't know. I just I hate capitalism so much. It's like we've gone from this, you know, grand old, you know, we stand for things to like Drake's owl on your shirt. <laughs> Nothing is sacred. And yes, it's batshit because it's Drake, 
Yeah, that's not like it's not Coca Cola. It's not like Credit Suisse. It's Drake's new album. It's Drake's new album. Like that's right. bad shit. But it's also <laughs> just upsetting. Nothing is sacred anymore. Everything is is sellable, and I am upset. <laughs> that's your weekly bat shittery. You're mad about a soccer room. jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I am mad. <laughs> it's an owl. It's Drake's <laughs> album on Barcelona's shirt. Of course, I'm upset. I know. I know. It is. It is a bit sad, isn't it? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So my weekly bat shittery this week. I was going to cover Alex Jones's response on Infowars to the news that he had been ordered to pay almost $1 billion this week to the families of the Sandy Hook massacre victims. But as I was reading, not only was his response so rote and so cynical, I just, I'd never read the stories of the victims, what had happened to them since he'd started this campaign of harassment against them. Mm. Um, And when I read some of these victim impact statements, they were just so sad and so heartbreaking that I just, I couldn't find the joy in the justice because the justice came at such a high price to the families. So I'm not going to do that. What I did find though, was in all of this, the noise on Twitter about this was this 2017 clip that has resurfaced of Alex Jones's, one of his more classic rants that I had forgotten about, but I found it again, thanks to Twitter. And I'm going to read it to you, Taryn. Yes. Are you ready? Please. (laughs) So Alex Jones rants. I'm angry. I've had enough of these people. They're a bunch of Christian murdering scum. Which Christians? I'm not quite sure. They run giant death factories, keeping babies alive and selling their body parts. What more do you need to know about these people? Indeed, Taryn, what more do you need to know about these people? Sounds pretty bad. I go out and face these scum. This is Alex Jones talking. They literally crawl out from under rocks. They have green looking skin and they run around screaming, I love Satan. We want to eat babies. I have them on video. He finishes. Who's them? Mate, I don't know. Like I've got so many questions about this. So one of my questions is in the giant death factories, how are they keeping the babies alive if they're selling their body parts? And which parts are they selling and which parts are they eating? Mm. If he has this video, why hasn't he released it? Mm. The green skin people would be would be interesting. He got 550 million clicks from Sandy Hook related content, which is obviously his incentive to harass these families. I imagine if he had that video, that would have there would have been a big incentive, some click incentive there for him to release the video. Yeah. All right. So that's my that shittery for the week. All right. Should we move into what we are working on for this week? I'll go first. Look, I'm into the grind now. You know, as usual, I have good and bad days. It's really difficult to differentiate between them. I don't know when it's going to be a good day, when it's going to be a bad day. I don't know when I'm going to tip over the edge. All of those things that that I've talked about. This week, I don't really have anything imminently to do work-wise. 
I have an article that I need to polish off that will be published either at the end of this week or the end of next week. I have a lot of podcasts to do and record and host, but there's nothing really measurable in that space because there's it's it's a lot of polishing, a lot of background collating information, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about measuring and what I'm going to do to to measure things. What I've decided to do is to go back to what I did right at the beginning when I started having these long COVID symptoms mm-hmm. and track how I'm feeling and and what triggers uh, negative, you know, what triggers being tired and just tracking my progress because, you know, I obviously have progressed quite a lot. So back at the beginning when I first started doing this, I had a lot of days where I would start at a three out of 10 or end at a three or a four out of 10 in terms of energy levels and, and, and just Mm -hmm. generally how I was feeling these days, it would be more like five, six, sevens. Mm -hmm. The, the goal of doing something like this and the goal of treatment for POTS is to get the days up to sevens and eights most of the time. So It's not to get tens, it's to have a consistency of sevens or eights. And I mm-hmm. think it's really perfect for the for the minimum baseline method because I can actually track how I'm feeling. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, if I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to be able to achieve anything sort of meta in terms of writing, in terms of media, in terms of anything like that. So for this week, when I don't have anything imminently due that I can kind of measure myself against. I'm going to measure myself against my health and see how I'm going uh, mm-hmm. and then compare that day to day, week to week and see how I'm improving over the long term. Okay. All right. Would you consider tracking the exercise that you're able to do as well? Like you said yes. that you mentioned that you went, uh, I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or earlier, you mentioned that you went for a walk. Yeah, that wouldn't yes. have been something that you could have done, you know, I know two months ago. Yeah, so I went for a walk on my crutches uh, to the park, which is about a five minute or so walk away. I, 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 I've I, done this pretty much the whole time I've had symptoms, to be fair, to sort of the first time that I knew that I was really sick was when this was really early days. I didn't have any kind of mobility aid. And I went to walk around the park and suddenly my legs stopped working. And that's when I knew something was was wrong in a way that I didn't right. know before. Because mm-hmm. prior to that point, I had been short of breath and I had been dizzy. But because I'd, I'd been to the hospital, I'd, I'd literally been in bed for a week after that. And I didn't understand why my legs weren't working. That, that was yeah. kind of the first time. So... Going to this park has been a baseline that I have measured myself against throughout the process. Mm-hmm. When I do it now, as I said, I do take my crutches because it takes the sort of weight off my legs and it, it lets me do it easier. It's a slow, slow going, but often I'll sort of go, you know, a walk from my house to one side of the park, have a seat. And then 10 minutes later, I'll walk to the other side of the park, have another seat, and then I'll walk home. So yeah, I think that that measuring that and how I feel after that is really important. When I am tracking my symptoms, I do it hour by hour. 
So I would write, you know, on a day like today, I got up at eight. Uh, I started writing down my to-do list at 9.30. I started preparing for all of my podcasts then as well, um, which I spent the whole morning doing, which is probably like an orange. It's probably, you know, it's 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 an activity that's using my brain space but isn't super intense. Um, mm-hmm. Then I ate lunch. Now I'm doing this. This will be a red activity because it takes up a lot of energy to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then... I would then, you know, track how I'm feeling after the recording of this podcast. So does it completely wipe me out or am I still okay? How do I feel tomorrow after I've recorded two podcasts today, which I will be, am I completely wrecked? And what would be the difference between a day like today and a different kind of day where I might record one podcast? How do I feel the next day? So that's kind of what it's tracking. And exercise is certainly a part of that. Um, you know, if I do 10 calf raises today, how am I going to feel tomorrow compared to another similar day where I don't do any calf raises? That's great. That's the idea. Great. And you can actually start to really, instead of I feel okay, I don't feel okay, you can actually start to really track, okay, these exercises led to this energy level, led to this outcome. Yeah. And it was actually how my POTS was first diagnosed because when I was tracking this, I noted down in my day-to-day sort of schedule that I felt better when my legs were up and that was something that the exercise physiologist saw immediately and Mm. thought hang on if you're feeling better when your legs are up that means it's a circulation issue Um, let me check your heart rate and that's how he he figured out that it was POTS so it's probably something I should be doing anyway but I think that it's it's definitely a useful thing to do is just to have those actual numbers so that I know and so that when I do have tasks to do that I can track I know more about how I'm feeling or how those tasks are going to make me feel and how I can get the most out of them and get the most out of my energy levels yeah sure and it will also give you a something to provide your medical providers with I know that a lot of people that I've spoken to that have had these sorts of invisible illnesses complain that they are dismissed by their medical teams. And, you know, doctors like data. If you've actually got data to say, this was where I was, this is where I am now, this week was an anomaly, and you can see that from this diary that I've kept may make it easier to advocate for yourself in the you know in the instance that something does go wrong absolutely so stacy let's take a break from me let's talk about you (laughs) what are you working on this week so i too am also going to take an actual baseline this week I mean, we spoke about this in earlier podcasts. For the triathlon, it's much easier, much more tangible to track baselines. And I think a good baseline for me is the distances that I can run, swim and bike, and the times that I do those. Like my objective in the triathlon is to finish and not die. I'm not really tracking times, but I can see from my Strava data that I am getting faster and I am getting fitter. The more 
intensively that I train and the more rigor I put around that training. So I went back to my Strava data from the first week that we recorded this podcast, which I think was four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the data is not good. <laughs> so <laughs> my swim pace back then was 324, 3 minutes 24 per 100 meters over a kilometer. And my run pace was 8 <laughs> minutes 54 over 4.42 Ks. At that point, I hadn't hopped on the bike or been in the open water yet. So my baseline was absolutely zero. And in the last four weeks, I have both hopped on the bike several times and swum in the ocean several times. So my baseline is no longer zero, but I will take a baseline of both of those next time I go out. And my run pace is down to seven minutes 43, which is still not amazing, but it is more than a minute faster yeah Yeah. more than a minute faster and my swim pace is almost a minute down to at two minutes 40 per 100 meters definite improvements in my minimum baseline so i'm gonna continue to track those over the next eight weeks as i count down towards the sprint try uh it will be interesting to see what my performance is like on the 5th of November when I do my try try. So that's my baseline for the triathlon. Um, Work-wise, I found it a bit harder to take a baseline. Because we're a seasonal business, I can't really use week-on-week sales. We've also muddied our data with, you know, a big retailer that's not reordering. And we brought on the iconic late in the season. So I really can't use hard numbers as my baseline. So I trying to work out a solution to this problem, which is how do I track my baseline from a work point of view. And I observed, we talked about last week about how there's a difference between consuming other people's content, taking action in your business and generating results in the business. And by results, I don't just mean took X amount off the balance sheet. I mean, also like work that I've created. So emails, graphics, things that can be used over and over again, Facebook ads, there, I'm actually creating something that's actually a result. So I took a baseline this week and again, not great. So <laughs> about 70% of my work week was spent consuming other people's content or creativity. About 20% was spent in action. I think I was a bit unfair. I think probably 60% was in consumption, 30% was in action, but only 10% was spent in actual creation of things that can be work that can be scaled or work that will produce results. So mm-hmm. I am going to keep tracking that. And I have a, look, it's not perfect yet. It's, I'm calling it car for consumption action results, little temperature gauge, you know. <laughs> I love an acronym. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to pop that on the minimum baseline website and people can have a look at that and see if that makes sense. I'm not sure that it's totally perfect because the results piece doesn't, like it's really easy to track the time that you spend in consumption, the time that you spend in action and the time that you spend in creativity, but that's not necessarily results. So there's probably some tweaking that I can do in that little temperature gauge, but I'm going to, that's where I'm going to start and I'm going to build from there. So that's what I'm going to work on this week. Great. I think that something like that, it, you know, makes sense for everyone. 
Uh, mm. I certainly will be having a look at that and trying to see if that fits in to my life and to my goals. Well, yeah, certainly for you, you know, the time that you spend writing articles is actually sort of in that R space, I think, because that's like creating a piece of work that is saleable. Yes. Yeah, but there's so much that goes on behind that. There's so much Mm. stuff that's not directly tangible, but even just, you know, I have a a database where we share resources about players and who's signed for who, especially at this time of year, there's a lot of signings being announced and re-signings, information about the players, information about the clubs, information about the coaches, all of that sort of stuff, which goes not only into that knowledge base, but also goes into my head. So then when I write an article, it gets put into the article if watching a game I I spent all weekends laying on the couch watching football and some may say that isn't productive but it's putting things into my head which will then Mm. come out into an article the danger there as a perfectionist is that you spend you can convince yourself that you just need to consume a little bit more you just need to act a little bit more and you miss the bit where you sit down and you actually do the work because you're like, oh, of course I, I could could know more. There could be more stats. I could do. And you're actually avoiding the bit where you have to sit your bum on a chair and produce an outcome. Well, I think that leads us really nicely into my small dumb thing for this week. I'll start with what I said last week. So last week I said that I would write out my day before every workday on a piece of paper. I've done that. It's been a really good success, actually. It's it's helped me stay on track during the day. It's also it's been a measuring tool. I know that I can do a certain amount every day. When I write down what I'm going to do in that day on a piece of paper, it's been getting to know myself and my energy levels a little bit better as well. Because mm-hmm. generally speaking, what I've been doing most days, and it doesn't work out this way every day, but I, I'll have a morning task that'll sort of be two hours of concentration-ish and an afternoon task that'll be two or three hours of concentration-ish. And that's sort of what I've been doing every day. And I can have gaps in between and that's worked really well. So mm. That's Success. about where I tap out too. Like, really, I don't do much more than a couple of hours of thinking time in the morning and the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to do more than that. Mm. My small dumb thing this week, which I think leads on very well from what you were talking about in terms of actually sitting down and doing the task, is I'm going to put my phone on Do Not Disturb when I am doing a task. Yes, yes. So to give you an example, it took me... I actually think four hours in total to prepare for the two podcasts that I have on today, this morning. Part Mm -hmm. of that is because I'm not feeling the best. Part of it is because it took me a really, really long time to think of weekly pat shittery, like to the point where I was scrolling (laughs) through the Guardian trying to like find something that happened. But also a large part of the reason is because my phone's constantly buzzing because I'm in 10 different group chats and... All of them will send, someone will send a link about the most recent signing news in the A-League Women's or just random stuff. And I'm constantly being dragged away by that. I'm constantly being distracted Mm -hmm. by that. That's part of my job as a journalist is to be on top of things. But there is that point where you're actually producing the work that that needs to go away. That buzzing Mm. needs to go away and it's not be there. It's not relevant. I I can know an hour later after the news hits. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a breaking news 
person. I don't work yeah. for an organization where I need to be on top of it, like in that way. It can just wait. Yeah, that is my small dumb thing for this week is mm-hmm. to put my phone on do not disturb when I am producing work, which is Great. a better way to think about it than I had done previously. So thank you, Stacey. <laughs> I would also challenge you to go further than that. I mean, minimum baseline method is that you do the absolute bare minimum like so little that you would be embarrassed to come on next week and say that you haven't done it so maybe it's just three times this week you'll put on do not disturb for two hours but i would like to see you climb to a point where it's not just during the hours where you're producing but also the time that you're choosing to rest so it might be an hour in the afternoons where you are lying staring at the wall and you put your phone on do not disturb well, I'll, I'll talk about this in my mini motivation later, uh, but one of the things that I've been doing to relax is to read. And I, I have been putting my phone on Do Not Disturb in those times and it mm. has made it much, much easier and much nicer to do. But of course, yeah, I don't, I don't want to take it too far. It is the small dumb thing. For now, it's just going on Do Not Disturb when I produce, but mm. we, can, we can expand the, the lack of phone noises further. there's room to go there is there is so my small dumb thing last week was to reach out to 30 retailers which i completely forgot about and had to do in the 20 minutes before this recording so i could say that i did it so i don't yet have a read on uh results wise how that's gonna go but i did it uh let's see yep um, you know, potentially revenue generating activity. I did. I hope to do more of that this week. It's the kind of thing that I can do when I'm standing at the kitchen bench waiting for dinner to cook. I can f- fling out a few of those or the kids have been watching and or at night and I have not been following storyline. So I'm completely out of it. I could just be scrolling you know, and that's the kind of thing I could be doing on my phone while I'm sitting there with the kids pretending to watch their show. My small dumb thing this week is to reach out to other product-based businesses. The main thing that I need to do this week is to liquidate some stock that I have sitting in the USA. In 2020, we took a punt on the assurances of a country manager that we had at the time and we produced well over $100,000 worth of stock for the US market and she turned out to be full of shit and of course there just weren't many other options to move through that stock in 2020 so we were left with a shit ton of stock that is now sitting there racking up warehouse fees and it represents cash so if i can shift that at even below cost that's money in my bank that I can then go and utilize in other areas of the business. So mm-hmm. I have been, I've hit a number of brick walls. It's been this big drain on my energy, ruminating in all of the things that went wrong. I just need to get rid of it just to release that energy and that pressure just from my body and my brain. It just needs yeah. to go. One thing I realized as I was thinking about my small dumb thing this week is that I haven't actually reached out to other US-based product businesses. So I'm going to send 10 emails either to potential liquidators or to other businesses that we know over there. And I'm just going to ask what they do when they need to liquidate stock and what my options are, because there's, you know, I don't know what I don't know about the US market. And there's potentially some options there that I haven't thought about. And on the triathlon front, my small dumb thing is to organize to get a tow bar put on my car because I need to get a bike to Huskinson in three weeks time. Ah, You're going to be one of those people. 
one of those people. Yeah. Who? Taryn, how are you going to keep your motivation high and eliminate demotivating factors this week? Well, last week in my mini motivation, I talked about having growth mindset and being inspired by a number of people that I admired who had that growth mindset. Since then, the article that I was talking about has come out. It was about Mary Fowler, who has won the Women in Sport Women's Health One to Watch Award. Mm -hmm. She is only 19 years old. And I really recommend not only, you know, go and read the article on matildas.com.au, but also the interview that she did, she speaks so incredibly for a 19 year old. She's, she's very, it really takes you aback when you. That is so annoying that she so got her shit together at 19. (laughs) Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, she was talking about decorating her house nicely and how her, her unit is her safe space. But keep in mind this kid, when she was 16 years old, she signed for Montpellier in France in January of 2020. So she's 16. She's moved from, from Australia to Montpellier in January of 2020. Survived that time has, you know, is, is a phenomenal footballer. She's far from the finished product. She's 19, but just the way that she speaks and the way that she conducts herself is is incredibly impressive. She is so amazing to watch as well. I am not anywhere near as big a football fan as you or Leo, my son, but I do take him to Matilda's games pretty regularly, mainly because you drag me along, but also because, you know, one of his little besties is a huge Matilda's fan. And also I want to, I want my boys to see women play sport at the highest level. I think that's really important. And she's just on the field. I cannot take my eyes off her. Yeah. She's amazing to watch. Yeah. She glides. That's the thing. She she is off the field the way she is on the field. And I it, it's it's just this calmness, this majestic uh, it's kind so of so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unreal. Good for her. Like amazing for her. <laughs> yes. So she's she she was my motivation uh, last week. Look, this week I mentioned earlier about reading. So I'm a history nerd. As we know, I have I have a degree in history. I am a historian, in fact, one could say, uh, stretching it slightly, slightly far. However, in particular, an area of interest that I really love is Dark Ages Britain. Like between fall of Rome, Anglo-Saxons come and pre-William the Conqueror, like that period of time, 500 to 1066-ish area. I find the it fun, fun enlightened times. Well, <laughs> it was more enlightened than people think, okay? The Dark Ages <laughs> is unfair. It's, you know. Anyway, I bought a book. So uh, my partner and I went to a bookstore last week. She got some really beautiful uh, Indigenous history books. I got a book about the Dark Ages. It's called In Search of the Dark Ages. And it's by a historian called Michael Wood, who is very famous in the field. He's been around for a very long time. The book itself is 40 years old. It's been revised a lot. It's not because there's been so many archaeological discoveries since then and a change of thinking around certain things that he acknowledges in his introduction. Um, But the thing is, if I'm having a bad health day, I can't read it because I can't focus, right? Mm. When I'm having a good day, 
I can read it. It's great. I get cozy in bed. I make myself a cup of tea. All of my tasks are done. It's four o'clock. The sun in the afternoon, the sun kind of streams through that part of my house. It's really wonderful. I read about Offa and Alfred and Athelstan and it's <laughs> awesome. So my mini motivation for this week is knowing that if I put my ducks in a row and if I get the things done that I need to get done and if I feel good, I will be able to read my book about Dark Ages Britain. And 4pm in the afternoon with a cup of tea. Yep. Amazing. It's everything that I want. So that's that's my motivation for this week. Amazing. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> well, um, my mini motivation last week was to change my daily diary to be more results focused. And I came up with that little CAR acronym. Um, and I was shocked by how effective it was. So I'm just going to stick with that for another week and really focus in on it, see if I can tweak it. That's going to be my motivation again this week, I think. Great. Easy. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that made it effective, do you think? I think just putting – I'd been aware that my particular brand of procrastination is con to consume other people's content. I have been sitting on my current bank of Facebook ads for about three weeks now and anyone who works in digital marketing knows, I, you know, I had a digital marketing agency. I know this better than anybody. Anyone will tell you that you need to be refreshing your Facebook ads weekly. You need to be in that data, build it. You, spend, you need to spend 10 hours a week minimum on your Facebook ads to really run effectively. I have barely touched them for three weeks, but I have consumed so many videos and made so many notes about what I should do. It's shocking. Having gone through that exercise, I now realize that I'm using it as a, a total procrastination. I felt the whole time like I was being really effective, but I'm not. So this week, I just need to do it another week just to really bed down in my own brain what it is, just cop on to myself what it is that I'm doing and use that as motivation to do the work, which seems to be the theme for me in the last like, the last four podcasts I've been. Do the work. Do the work. Do the work. So, <laughs> you better work, bitch. Taryn, where can the people find us? So you can find us on our website at minimumbaseline.com, Instagram at minimum.baseline or Twitter at minimumbaseline. You can also follow me on Twitter at Taryn Hedo. Five-star reviews help us reach other normies who might also be trying to become incrementally less shit. Please jump on your podcast app of choice and leave us a nice note or at least an entertaining one. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, basically everywhere, or you can even listen on our website. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.